Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Hey, well, welcome. It's good. Thanks for letting me come back. I've been here once before, and um, if you were if you were here, then you, you remember I just showed you a lot of pictures. The best message ever, all right? It was just pictures and story, and uh, well, something everybody can appreciate. Today, not so much. Yeah, sorry. Today, you need to use this, all right? You're gonna have some stuff to read, think through. Uh, you're gonna have to process a little bit. Not a lot. You're like we'll keep it light. But uh, anyway, I'm Ryan. As you can tell, because my name's three times behind me, <laughs> I am the Trinity of Ryan. It's good. I, I feel special. Yes. All right. So listen, I, um, I, I'm, we, uh, we, down in Warmbra, not here, but down where we are, um, we're all, we're worried about our health, right? We're working hard because you guys are all in good shape. We're, we're struggling. Uh, and so we... We were talking about different ways at church to get in shape, and, um, and in the process, doing some research, I found a, a product, and this product is great. Like, what it says about it in uh, the bio of it, when it tells you what the product is, and I don't normally in- endorse product from the stage, but this is, this is a pretty good one, because it says you can get a washboard, a set of washboard apps, right? A full-on six-pack with no dieting, no exercise. Yeah, I said, shut up and take my money. All right, so no diet, no exercise, honest six-pack, right, and, and it could be yours. And in fact, it doesn't even take, it takes 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I, I mean, if, that, if it's true, don't you want to know about it? Yes. Yeah? Let me introduce to you the Abhancer. All right, the Abhancer. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you can read, but it does say on the corner, it has been recommended by pseudo-athletes. Yeah, it says right there. I mean, it's just like, hey, uh, it, you know, it's got, I don't know that it's going to do what you think it's going to do when you buy, if you bought that product expecting it to give you real six-pack abs, you're probably going to be frustrated and perhaps chafed. Uh, if, you, if you tried to do Hey, let's move on from the ab answer because that, that's all I can think about. Uh, listen, have you ever bought a product that didn't, didn't live up to its advertisement? Yeah. How about a car? A spouse? Okay. Oh, is that too close? Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Like, have you ever had one of those situations where you've, you've gone out, you've, you've seen the advertisement, and you're like, yeah, that's awesome. I want it. And you got it, and it wasn't what it was advertised, and that's frustrating. It's sad. It makes you cry a little bit, right? It makes you upset. That was the deep dive. You see, we went from laughter to deep dive, just like that. Now, look, everybody, we get frustrated with that kind of stuff. And when it comes to people, oh, man, that's where the drama comes from in life. Has anybody ever had a problem with another person? Drama? Stress? No? 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 Only three of you. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I, all of my problems come from other people. All of them. I mean, the stuff problems are pretty easily fixed. People problems are real problems. And the reality is when people 
when they advertise themselves as one thing and actually turn out to be the opposite or something that's not quite, doesn't quite measure up, that creates pain, it creates drama, it creates hardship in your life. We all want the same thing from each other. We want it from, dare I say, even like politicians, from churches, from everybody. We all want integrity, don't we? That's what it's all about, right? That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about integrity, the importance of it, uh, what we need to do about it, how do we get it in our lives. You know, when we start talking about integrity, you need to start with the understanding that there's a lot of different definitions for integrity. A lot of people want to throw things around, and usually they're pretty sharp, and you write them down, and you think, yeah, that's it. Simple, right? When you're talking about a person, integrity means that that person is the same through and through, right? They're, they're as advertised, okay? That person is as, as advertised. You can tell me that you're a rat bag. If you live up to it, you have integrity. No, no, no. I know you think I'm joking, but you've got to realize integrity doesn't mean you're a good person. Right? Integrity means that you're telling the truth about yourself. I am who I am. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. Okay? Integrity matters. We, I actually respect people that tell me the truth about them. If you come to me and you pretend to be super spiritual and holier than thou, and I actually know deep down that you're just as messed up as me, I'm not going to like you much. But if you come to me and you tell me that you're like me, we're both messed up, uh, I'm going to like you more. Simple. Okay? So integrity matters. It matters. We love it. And God loves integrity. This morning, we're going to talk about how, the, how God, our Father, loves integrity from us. We're going to get there by looking at a passage, uh, a teaching from Jesus. Okay? This is out of Matthew chapter 5. All right? So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to sort of this is our anchor, and then later on I'm going to tell you a bit of a, a story, and there's going to be some scripture that goes along with that. So if you've if you got a phone or whatever, you've got your app, you've got your uh, Elevate app, it's got the, this is probably not loaded in it, so good luck, look it up. Okay, Matthew 5, starting in verse 33, it says this. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Okay, so now Jesus says, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. It's a big teaching. There's a lot going on there. Okay, so let's get into this because it's really important for us to understand the point behind this teaching. Okay, so what is the point? Uh, Jesus is making it very clear to his disciples, to those who are following after him. Okay, this is not a message to the world outside. This is a message to his people saying, if you want to be known as a follower of Christ, if you want to be known as one of my followers, here's the kind of person I want you to become. I want you to become a person who tells the truth so routinely, so normally. That's your default, right? Your default is tell the truth. Whether it's good or bad, whether it makes you look good or makes you look bad, just tell the truth. Jesus wants us to be the kind of people that don't need to swear, don't need to vow, don't need to make promises. You know, I love it when people say, hey, to be perfectly honest. I love it. You're like, hang on. Um, 
Okay, so is there any other form of honesty other than perfect honesty? I don't know that that's possible. And what were you, were you lying to me before you said this? I mean, it's a silly thing that we say, or we say, like, I swear on my mother's grave. She's not even dead. I know it. <laughs> Why do we do these things? It's because it's not our default. We're not known as people who tell the truth. And so we have a, a need to convince other people that what we are saying or what we're sharing with them is real, that it's true. And we know that we just don't have that reputation. And so Jesus is challenging us to become those kind of people, to become people who act rather than promise, right? Who do rather than vow that they're going to do. Just do it, right? What you say, you follow through on. What you commit to, you show up for. Uh, pastor side note, okay? You guys have rosters in the church. You sign up for stuff. Okay, I'm a pastor. I've got a lot of those rosters. When you commit to something and you don't show up and you don't tell anybody, it makes us very unhappy. That's the pastor way for saying what you know I'm really thinking inside. All right. It's really, it's one of those things where when you, you look at all the different ways that you commit yourself in life, the things that you'll say and do for people, even so far as to say, I will pray for you and turn around and walk away and forget that person even exists. Okay? It's all about just like that whole, it's who you are. Is it a part of your just default nature to be someone who says yes and no and you follow through? If you say it, you mean it. Okay, that's what Jesus is arguing for here. That's what he wants from us. Now, some people have heard this teaching over time and they've said Jesus is telling his people not to make any promises or any vows or any commitments. You ever heard that? Christians are weird. Man, we're weird. We do some strange stuff sometimes. We take something that is meant to describe your character, and we turn it into a law. Yeah. All right, so Jesus told this story over and over to the Pharisees. He would tell them all the time, you guys care about the outside of the cup. God cares about the inside. All right, God cares about what you are on the inside more than the outside. You clean the outside all day long, and you're drinking out of a filthy inside. And so here's the deal. Jesus is describing the inside of the cup. This is not about whether it's right or wrong to make commitments and vows. And let me clue you in. Jesus endorsed marriage. Can you think of a bigger vow, a bigger promise, a bigger statement before God and man to, to look at some other human being and say, man, I'm going to stick with you for life. That's a big promise. That's a big commitment. Jesus endorsed it. So clearly this is not saying to us that we are not to commit ourselves to one another or to make vows of any kinds. It's about the heart. It's about the character. It's about who you are. I think you guys grasp that, yeah? yeah? Okay, good. I can leave it alone for a little bit. The reality is this is one of the biggest issues that we face in the church today. Okay, this is one of the biggest problems that we have as a church. Not this church, okay? I've heard good things about this church, not bad things. Good things. But the reality is, that if you look at the global church, you look outside of this place, you look across our state, you look across our country, across the world, the church in all of its various forms and names, we've got a reputation problem when it comes to integrity. That's true, right? I'm not telling you something you didn't know. Okay, the church across the world has been lying, has been caught lying, has been accused of covering up crime and abuse and pain and hardship. You all know it. Everybody knows it. It comes back to this call to be people who let your yes be yes, your no be no. Don't worry about adding to that. Be the kind of people that do what you say, that follow through on what you promise. 
You might look at the big problem of the church, and it's a big problem. And you might think, man, that is too big for me. I don't know how to solve that. What's one person going to do to come against the whole reputation of Christianity today in the news and in the media and and online? I mean, how am I going to fix that? Well, you're not going to fix it by fighting with everybody that says anything bad about the church on social media. So you could probably stop that, right? You're not helping. Uh, The way that you want to help, the way that you really do something to turn this thing around is you personally begin to embrace the teaching of Jesus Christ on this point. Take it into your life. Take it to your school. Take it into your workplace. Take it to your marriage. Take it to your street that you live on, to the team that you coach. Whatever it is that you're doing in the world, take this teaching and just put it into practice. And it starts with a little self-examination. What's your integrity like? In just a minute, I'm going to invite everybody up to tell it no. No, that'll be the last time I ever come to this church. What's your integrity like? You know, do, do you tell the truth? Are you known as a truth teller? Do people at work, do they, when you tell them the answer to what they're asking, do they just kind of go, yep, that must be true and walk away? What kind of person are you when it comes to integrity, when it comes to Are you the same person when you're with one crowd as you are with every crowd? Are you the same person at church as you are at at the pub? I don't know. You know, right? And that's that's the beauty of this is, is the Spirit of God is working in you through his word to ask you that question. What is your integrity like? The reality is, and I'm gonna, I'll confess, I'll go first. The reality is, I have and do, and I'm working on it, God's working on it and me, I'm not there yet, have a problem with selling my integrity very cheaply, very cheaply. You know, you lie to make yourself look good. You lie to make a story sound better. You lie so that people think that you're better off than you really are or that you did more work than you actually did or that you deserve a promotion that you may not actually deserve. You know, we, we sell our integrity very cheaply sometimes, and it's often just to fit in with somebody else, just so that somebody else will think better of you. You will sell your integrity. How weird is that? Right? It's, it's the one thing that you've got that is unassailable that is yours, that you own it, is your integrity, your truth, your what's real, your yes and your no, and we will give it away so that hopefully somebody else will think we're better it's odd, right? You, you sell yourself cheaply so that people think that you're more important. That's what we do when we sell our integrity. Integrity is a big deal. It's an incredibly big deal. So I told you a second ago, we were going to read Matthew. We've done that. So tick, right? We've gotten through that part. You've survived it. Good job. You've got the gospel out of the way. Uh, you had a little preaching. Okay, so I got on my little high horse. I talked about integrity. Uh, and now I want to tell you a story. Uh, a bunch of you are like, good, finally, something interesting. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story about integrity, about the importance of integrity, and why when we sell it cheaply, it hurts not just us, but everyone around us. The person we're going to talk about who sold their integrity so cheaply is somebody that might surprise you. He's the Apostle Peter. And you're like, oh, I remember this story. It was the, the night Jesus was arrested. Nope, different story. Okay, this is a different situation. I want to talk about Peter for a minute because he is a great example of what it looks like to to embody integrity and then to give it away. 
And to get us to where we really understand what's going on here, to really understand what Peter did, we need to know a little bit of background about Peter. Okay, so a lot of you know the name the Apostle Peter. You know a couple of the highlights from the Gospels. I'll just tell you a little bit about his story just real quickly. So he was born and raised in a little village on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, which is not actually a sea, it's a lake. You could probably just, you know, see straight across it on any day. Uh, but he, he grew up there on this little, this little spot of water, and it's not far, it's a very short walk to where Jesus grew up in Nazareth. So they're actually very close together in that, in that spot. And so you have... Uh, Peter growing up in, these, in that place, and then he meets Jesus along the way, and Jesus calls him to come and be one of his 12, one of his core disciples. And so he, for three years, he travels along with Jesus, goes where Jesus goes. He watches him heal people. He watches him teach. He listens to everything that he does. He's there for the whole part of it. And we love Peter. I love him. He's the guy that sticks his foot in his mouth all the time. I totally appreciate that. Uh, God gave me a size 15 foot so that I wouldn't swallow the whole thing, okay? All right, there's a danger there. I love him for what he does, for who he is, and then after the death and then resurrection and then the ascension of Jesus, Peter is given an incredible job. He's called to pull the church together, to organize the church and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter is sent with all this, this group of 120, they're the ones who, who were they ran away when Jesus was killed, but they started to come back as Jesus was resurrected, and they began to hear stories, and they pulled back together. And they were in that upper room in Jerusalem, and Peter was the guy that was there to organize them and wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, and Peter and the other 120 went out into the huge community there in Jerusalem and started to talk about how Jesus was real, and that he was alive, and that he, he, yes, he had been killed. They killed him, but God brought him back from the dead. He is the Lord. He's the Messiah. They preached this message. He preached it to thousands of people, and on that day, thousands of people came to faith in Jesus Christ. God used Peter over and over in, in situations like that. In fact, there was a time where Peter was arrested. He was beaten. He was put in jail several times. He was released by angels. You remember any of those stories? It's incredible what Peter went through. And then Peter was at a time where he was resting at a friend of his house, a guy named Simon. He was a tanner. Uh, and he was on this beautiful seaside Mediterranean villa in Joppa, overlooking the Mediterranean. Gorgeous place. Was waiting while someone was making a meal, took a nap, and God gave him this incredible vision to remind Peter that Jesus came for all of us, not just for those of Jewish ancestry and background. And in this vision... The Heavenly Father demonstrates to Peter that he wants Peter to go into the church, into the world, and to call anyone who is interested into becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, receiving the salvation given through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's a pretty amazing thing. Peter, who was solidly Jewish, who had always been a Jew, expected the Jewish Messiah to do Jewish things, is now being told, God wants you to go out and tell everybody in the world, whether they're Jewish or not, that Jesus is their Lord too. And so he did. He went out, he started preaching that message, and there was a time in uh, the book of Acts, in Acts 15, we hear about this thing called the Jerusalem Council. This is when Peter joined together with Paul and Barnabas and a bunch of the other uh, leaders of the early church to answer the question of whether or not non-Jewish people needed to become Jews first before they could become Christians. Okay, they were really struggling with that. Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, if you want to have access to the Jewish Messiah, you had to be a Jew first. That's what they expected. 
Peter knew the difference. He knew that that's not what God wanted. God shown him. Paul and Barnabas had seen God working in the lives of non-Jewish people all over the world. And so they gathered together. They told their story. And God used Peter to convince the early church, to demonstrate to the early church, that the salvation of Jesus Christ is not limited to Jew or Gentile, to slave or free, man or woman, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. That it's open to all. The freedom of Christ is actual freedom. The church embraced that and told the rest of the world, listen, you don't have to become a Jew to be a Christian. Hallelujah, thank God. And that opened the door to an incredible explosion of church of growth in the church. And that's where we run into Peter's problem. We run into his failure of integrity is after this. If we fast forward a little bit, we run into the situation that we're about to hear about. Okay, I'm going to read to you from the Apostle Paul. It's in the book of Galatians. And in this teaching, uh, Paul talks about an encounter that he had with Peter, a problem that he had with Peter around Peter's in lack of integrity. And I want you to hear this, okay? So let's, I'm going to, we're going to read through it, and then I'm going to unpack it for you so we can understand what we're talking about. So Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. It says, But when Peter came to Antioch, Okay, this is, again, the Apostle Paul writing. He says, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When we first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, so James is the brother of Jesus. He was the head of the church at the time. When the friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why do you now, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? All right, let's unpack this for a second. First off, we need to know something about where they were. They're at the church in Antioch. Antioch is in modern day Syria. It is no longer, right? It was an awesome megachurch. It was the first of the actual megachurches. People say all the time, let's go back and be like the first century church. I say, fantastic. Antioch probably had about 10,000 people in it. Yeah, it's a good-sized church. And they were from all over the world. They were from all different backgrounds, all different cultures, ethnicities. Men and women were serving in different capacities, but serving together inside the church. It was a pretty rare, exceptional place. It was unified, and it was spirit-led. Peter knew about this church, and he came to visit, and obviously loved the church. When he shows up, he embraces their, their, their living out the freedom of the gospel. There's not a difference between Jew and Gentile, man, woman, slave, and free, all are one in Christ, and he is embracing that awesome experience that we should just call church, right? He's doing it, and then something happens. Okay, you heard about it. Something happens. This is a group of people that were in a different church, most likely. Most likely they burned all their bridges in another church and they moved to a new church where they immediately came in and started telling the pastor and everybody else in the church, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I, I love those people. They're so wonderful. You know, we don't, 
I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to skip ahead. Okay, I'm going to show some grace, and I'm going to be kind about it. Um, I was going to say, we, just, we don't need to hear it, but that's okay. The reality is, these people had, had, come to their, had come to the leadership in Antioch, and they said, you guys are doing church the wrong way. You're doing it wrong, and we have the answer. And the answer is, all of you who are Jewish by culture and background and ancestry, you need to actually be good Jews before you're good Christians. Right? You need to, to live like the Jewish culture tells you to live, regardless of this gospel of freedom that you are, you are believing in. And what should have happened is the church should have rallied around their leadership and said, get out. We don't need you. Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back. But instead, Peter, especially Peter, we're told he struggled. Right? He wanted their approval. He wanted this, this powerful, seemingly powerful group of people that had, they were opinion leaders in the church. He wanted their approval. So what did he do? He sold his integrity. He gave away his integrity so that he would be accepted by this other group. And he stopped doing what he was doing before. He stopped spending time with friends. He stopped hanging out with uh, the people that this group, one group said, those people aren't good enough. You shouldn't hang out with them. And Peter said, okay. And he turned his back on them. And because Peter is a man of integrity, or was, he was respected, he was well-known, everybody knows Peter. Did you know that even the emperor of Rome at that time wrote letters about Peter? Because they'd heard about what he was doing in Jerusalem, they'd heard who he was, and he was considered the man of Christianity. Peter was the man. And here Peter is giving away his integrity. The very man that God used to teach the church that the, the salvation of Jesus Christ is open to all, not just Jews, but also to the Gentiles, not just men, but also to women, not just to the rich, but to the poor as well. The very man that God used to open that door was now selling that part of his life away for the acceptance of a little clique, a little small group of super spiritual types in the church. And his he was so well respected that even somebody like Barnabas, who had been traveling with Paul, he was Paul's best friend. He had seen God do incredible things through non-Jewish Christians all over the world. Even Barnabas. He followed Peter's example. Peter's lack of integrity was a big deal. And it was about to split this church. The best church that you can read about in the Bible, it's growing, it's awesome, it's spirit-led, it's sending missionaries out, it's collecting money for those that are in famine, it's, it's growing by leaps and bounds, and it is about to crumble because of Peter's lack of integrity. And so what happens is Paul has to confront him. He has to show up and say, hey, buddy, pal, I love you to death, but here's the problem. You're actually turning away from the gospel of Jesus Christ because you want these people to like you more. Peter, uh, Paul did something that he talks about in Galatians. Okay, I want you to hear what he talks about in terms of this, this interaction. And he describes how you and I are supposed to follow in this way, to do this for one another. I want you to hear Galatians 6, verses 1 to 5. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Let's move, before we move on, I just want to look at that for a second. 
Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church, talking to people who call themselves by the name of Jesus Christ, Christians, brothers and sisters. If someone is caught in a sin, trapped, snared, who likes to be in a trap? Nobody, right? No one wants to be stuck in addiction. Nobody wants to be in a place where they feel like they can't get out of their sin and they're, they're covered up by it. Nobody wants to be there. And here he's saying, listen, if, if one of you is in that situation, you found yourself in a place, you, you know how you got there, but you don't know how to get out. He says, listen to what I want you to do. You who live by the Spirit, that's your first qualification. Before you go into uh, someone else's business, shaking your fist or shaking your Bible at them, are you walking with the Spirit? And this is how you're supposed to do it. You should seek to restore, not condemn, not punish, not embarrass, but to restore that person. How? Look at it. It's right there. Gently. Gently. Christians aren't so good at the gently part. No, we're very good at the naming sin part, but we're not so good at the gently and to restore you part. Okay, so this is what he's saying, all right? That's what, that's what Paul was doing for Peter, so this is what he's asking of, of us. And then he goes on in that verse, he says, but watch yourselves or you may be tempted. What does he mean by that? I'll give you an example. You've got a friend who's struggling with pornography. Uh, you don't go to them and say, all right, friend, show me everything you're struggling with. <laughs> Do you get that? Okay, that's what he's saying. Very simple. Verse two, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you will do this, if you will carry each other's burdens, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. They sell their integrity themselves. Verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. All right, remember that whole plank in, in your eyes, sawdust in the other person's eye, right? Test your own actions first. Then, oh, then you can go and condemn them. No, 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 no. Then you can take pride in yourself, right? They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to anyone else. Now, I don't like any of this. Well, he's taking away all the fun. Like, uh, you're in sin? Oh, good. I can tell everyone about it. I can gossip about you. No, no. He says, no, don't do that. I can, I can seek to embarrass you. Nope. He says, you need to restore this person. But I can do it with, with anger. No, you can do it gently. Ugh. Okay, well, I can do it and then run away. No, no, no. You need, to, you need to carry their burdens with them. You need to walk in the Spirit with them to restore them over time. Ugh. And he goes on to say, hey, and before you do that, you should probably test yourself first. Really make sure that you're actually walking with God and that you, you know who you are too. Then you can take pride in, in what you are and you can stop looking at other people to see if you're measuring up because that is a failing game. Last verse, verse five, for each one should carry their own load. Wait, no, he just said you're supposed to carry each other's burdens and now you're supposed to carry your own load. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Try it. Carry your own burdens. And then you probably don't have to give them to somebody else. Yeah. Right? And they can go help somebody else instead of carrying your sluggish rear end around. Okay? I love it. I love the way he teaches this. And he comes back in. I love that, that Paul is doing this right in front of our eyes in Galatians. He does this with Peter. He doesn't seek to condemn Peter, to trash him, to kick him out of the church, to say, you're not an apostle anymore. We're going to boot you out. Instead, he comes along and goes, brother, son, hey, buddy, you, you just, you sold your integrity cheaply here. 
You wanted to fit in with that crowd over there, and they're a bunch of jerks. And you've become a jerk to be like them. Why? Why did you do that? Come back to the gospel, right? Just come back. Just get back up. Just walk with me. Let's go. Right now, you and me, let's walk away. And all you have to do to fix this is go back in and just demonstrate the love of Christ again to everybody in the church. That's it. That's how you fix it. You just go back and you start following Christ again. You give up on trying to impress people. All right, you still with me? You can handle one more passage for today, right? One more verse. We're going to read one more thing. It's your take home. All right, this is the one you can write down on your hand, on the back of your hand or your neighbor's hand, or you can just try to remember this or take a screenshot of it and actually work through this teaching for yourself throughout the rest of the week. This is from Proverbs, okay? So this is Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 27. I want us to hear this and let it be the thing that we take away for today. Okay, it says to those that are willing, it says, my child... Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. Verse 23, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. Verse 24, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. How do we embrace, how do we add integrity, how do we return to integrity after we've failed? It's right there in that teaching. Guard your heart, listen to the word of God, set the word of God as the standard you're going to follow, let it be the guide, and just start following it. Or just start following it. You don't have to make a giant oath. You don't have to have a big speech. You don't have to jump up and down. You don't have to convince everybody in the world that I'm following Jesus again. Just start doing it. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Just start doing it. Try it out. And as you do, you're going to see all of a sudden, hey, life is not necessarily easier, but life makes more sense. And life isn't necessarily going to bring me all goodies and all candy and no bad stuff, but instead I'm going to have joy because I know I'm following God's will. There's a picture of a mirror up here for a reason. The word of God needs to become what we look to, to see our reflection, to see who we are. We need to know who we were created to be. We need to know who Jesus is calling us to be. And we need to know where we are today. And the best way to do that is not to ask each other, not to look into the world, but to allow the word of God to speak to you about that. As you embrace the word, it will set your feet on the right path. As you embrace the word, you will be able to walk the direction that God has for you. Not the world, not your friends, but what God wants. You find your true self. This is a great, great thing for each one of us to be challenged by today. I am challenged. You, you want to talk? You, listen. Don't go preaching about integrity. I'm just telling you, don't do it. Because it hurts, right? And it forces you to really examine yourself. And if you go home today and someone says, what would you talk about in church? You just 
Think before you speak. Okay? Let's pray about it, and we'll go on. Heavenly Father, this is from you. It's your word for us today. Lord, there's no question. This is the teaching of Christ. It is the example of Christ. It is the, the movement that you are leading us on as the spirit of Christ. This is where you are taking your people is to a place of integrity. God, help us to embrace that call. Lord, as we seek to examine ourselves, Lord, let us not be overwhelmed with guilt and shame, but Lord, let us look into your word to see who we are for real. But Lord, you have called us to be people who simply do, who take steps toward you, who put what you teach us into practice, practically, daily, with faith. Lord, we just trust in you. We want to walk with you today. Lord, some of us in here today, Lord, we have fallen flat on our faces this last week. We have stumbled. We have, we have messed up. Lord, we just come before you right now, and we acknowledge that before you. And we, we Lord, we just we ask that you would lift us back up, put us back on our feet. Lord, help us to walk with you again. To, Lord, just help us to get back on our feet and walk with you again. Lord, help us to walk with you again. Remind us that you've never left us, that you've loved us through our, our shame, through our failure. And Lord, that it is all, every bit of it, it has all been forgiven through the cross of Christ. You, have, you, Lord, have paid the debt for us so that we can walk with you again. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. God bless you. I'll see you soon. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.